Hey everybody, welcome back to the What Am I Making podcast. It's your host, Maddie C. It's really, really wonderful to have you here. On today's episode, I sit down with Jim Lenahan and Patrick Foster of the Rocking the Suburbs podcast. You might even hear me refer to them as the Woodward and Bernstein of Dad Rock. Let's get into it. doing it's maddie c thanks so much for being here it's uh it's great to be back uh thank you so much for all of your kind words and encouraging comments about last week's kind of unusual experimentation in the pod and maybe in storytelling uh as i mentioned it was a it was a thing that that kind of kind of came together sort of after the fact there was no intention when i wrote that to do any kind of audio piece and that certainly led to a couple of limitations, but I'm really happy with the way that it turned out. And mostly I'm really glad that I shared it because it led to a couple of really interesting conversations and a, a, a listener in, in particular uh, who reached out from out West, uh, my friend Aaron, who uh, mentioned that he had had a, an uncle who was particularly important to him and he had a somewhat tangential story. And I don't want to, I don't want to spill Aaron's tea here, but he reached out to me the other day and, and said that it really hit home and it really meant a lot that I had shared that and it really, really connected with him and that really touched me. And I've gotten a, a lot of comments like that about that piece and about other stuff that I've done where people have, have reached out privately and I so appreciate it. So thanks very much for that. Um, I also just put a new thing up on the pod this week about the uh, the passing of Gordon Lightfoot. Um, there will be lots of great obituaries out there, lots of really terrific stuff that will be written about him and wonderful excuses to go back and listen to a bunch of music that he made that's really terrific and that's really important to me. Uh, but I framed it in the context of, of sort of the first time I ever heard um, his most famous song, or at least what I think of as his most famous song, which is The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. And a lot of people, um, when they hear that Gordon Lightfoot has died, will say, oh, the Edmund Fitzgerald guy died. And that will be short-selling a pretty brilliant catalog of music, pretty, a pretty wonderful career. But even if, even if he only wrote The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald, I think if you sit down and you look at that song and all the things that are a part of it, and that's what I talk about in this piece, and I do that from the, from the framing of what it's like to grow up as a kid in Michigan when that song was on the radio, and what that was like growing up here and being interested in history and, and learning about that tragedy and having that tragedy live on in a way that other shipwrecks don't. Um, it, is, it is the greatest of folk song traditions to take an event like that and to elevate it to a sacred space by creating some magical, beautiful, mystical piece of art that contextualizes the loss, makes us understand the gravity of it, tells an amazing narrative that brings the listener in and requires an emotional investment of them. And the the wordplay is incredible, the way that he describes 
the journey of the ship and how close they got to safety and what it's like when they ring that bell at the Mariners Cathedral in Detroit. And um, I, I just, I, people are going to say the guy who wrote The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald died this week, and they're not going to realize what an incredible compliment that is. Um, that That song may as well be a novel, as far as I'm concerned. So I really hope you'll check that out. Please also head on over to the Substack, whatamimaking.substack.com. Sign up for a free subscription. If you haven't already, you'll get alerts every time I post something, every time I share a new episode, every time there's a new essay, every time there's a new song on the mixtape for future self series. All that stuff's available for you free. But it does require money and time and effort to put this together. So if you've been enjoying it, if you've been thinking, hey, I really would like to support Matt and what he's doing, I'd like to throw Matty C a couple bucks. Boy, that was sure would help out a lot. Uh, a $6 a month investment may not seem like a lot. Maybe it does. I don't know. But that $6 can do a lot, not only for the amount of time that I can invest in something like this, but it also, much more importantly, makes me believe that this is worth doing, that this is worth pursuing. This is worth spending my time and my talent and my perspective and voice on. So when you support that with your encouragement and your subscriptions and your dollars, it, it means the world to me. And if you've already done that, I cannot thank you enough. I wish I could just look you directly in the eye and say thank you. Thank you for believing in me. Thank you for believing in what I'm doing. Thank you for thinking that these are important and worthwhile conversations and ideas to be exploring. Um, another little uh, tidbit update about me is uh, I'm going on a great big house show tour this summer. From June the 29th through roughly about the middle of July, I will be out across much of the eastern half of America. You can go to 4to4records.com, that's P-H-O-N-O-P-H-O-R-E, records.com, slash house hyphen shows, and you can see the schedule. You can find the five dates I have that I have not booked yet. If you'd like to know what those are, they're Asheville, North Carolina, Athens or Atlanta, Georgia, Nashville, Tennessee, Louisville, Kentucky, and Indianapolis, Indiana. If you are in or near any of those places in the second week of July and would like to find some information about hosting a Maddie C. House show, it's easier than you think. It really isn't going to cost you any money, and it's going to be a hell of a lot of fun. I can put this together. All you got to do is uh, help me find a few friends and uh, give me a little space to set up and an outlet and I'll take care of everything else. So let me know if you want to do something together. This is going to be really, really fun. And I'm so excited about not only getting out there and getting a chance to play shows and to see some old friends and some new friends and, and, and make lots of other new friends. That's a lot of friends. That's good. Friends are good. But I'm really excited about that. But I'm also really excited about a bunch of the stuff that I'm kind of working on sort of in connection with that tangentially, which I can't really talk about yet, but it's exciting. And it's 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 a big thing and it's a, it's a big risk for me. Um, as I've shared on this pod, this is not something I've been good about before asking for money. Um, and part of the, the house show process is being willing to stand up and say, I would like you to pay a few dollars to come and hear me play some songs because... I think I have something valuable to say, and I think I'm good enough. And when I've done that, people have been amazing. And so the real hindrance in getting to do that as much as I would like is my own lack of confidence. 
And so when you, and I'm not trying to be a victim or a baby here, but when you support me and when you encourage me, it reinforces that positive part of my brain instead of letting the negative self-doubt take over. So that's what you've done for me if you've supported me either with a free subscription or a paid subscription or with a comment or a like, or you've reached out with a message. Something that simple can make a really fundamentally important difference in the work that someone's doing in, in my life. I notice that every day. And really what I talk about with Patrick and, and Jim here is really the idea of the little things that we do every day and how they add up to this big thing. It's not the first time we've talked about this idea here before. Um, it's, it's the idea that we will get up and we will do little bits of progress every day. What we talk about with, with Jim and Patrick is they, they, they came from a journalism background. And so for them, delivering a pod every day basically feels just like turning in an assignment, turning in an article, you're just handing it in at the end of the day. And some days that's going to be better than others. By God, you're going to do it every day. And there's a nobility to that. There's a, there's a dignity to that. And there is a grace that comes with that by saying, hey, I didn't do it great today because you can't do it great every day, but I did it. And some days you can't do it. And some days you don't have to do it and you don't need to do it. But I have found, and I think Jim and Patrick will agree with this completely, that the more I do it, the better my life gets. The more people I meet, the more work I do that I'm proud of, the more things I get to do that I didn't know were possible, the more excited I get about life and the more experiences I, I get to be a part of. And that largely just comes from saying yes. And that's, we've, we've talked about that here too. That whole improv lifestyle. Yes and. You got to do it cautiously and you got to be careful about it. You got to curate it for yourself. But you also have to be willing to do the and part. And you have to be willing when you say yes to follow through and to finish it. And you'll notice there's been a little bit of a, uh, scattershot approach sort of with the with the pod delivery as I've kind of built this thing out over the first couple months. So I've, I've basically been doing this pod now for two months, two and a half months now. This is this is episode 11. And um, I think I, I think I launched the first one at like the end of February. Um, and at first I just did every couple weeks. And then we decided we were going to go to a week and I was going to do one every Monday and then I was going to post a new essay every Wednesday. And some things in life took over and I had to do a Tuesday and then I did another Tuesday and now here we are dropping a pot on a Wednesday. And I, I get a little nervous because I don't want it to be a thing where I say I'm going to do a pot every week and then I deliver later and later and later. And eventually what was supposed to be Monday turns into the following Monday. But as much as that scares me, I also know that I can't continue to expect things of myself when there's other stuff going on in my life and maybe I need to find a way to find a, a middle ground because one of the things I have really struggled with in my life is having an all or nothing black and white mentality. And so if I don't deliver on a Monday, that means I'm a failure and I don't, I don't get to do the pot anymore or I have somehow lost that ability. I've, I've, I've been denied that privilege because I've, I've fucked up the opportunity in some way by not, by not fulfilling my obligations. And then that, leads to a cycle of, you know, negativity, uh, what my therapist refers to as a cycle of suffering, where I take a series of bad uh, experiences or decisions or choices or luck or whatever it is, and I let those roll up into a series of things that become unmanageable, and then I shut down. 
And then when I shut down, I stopped doing the things that matter to me most, making music, spending time with my friends, having conversations like this, saying yes and. And so this is a weekly exercise for me in very much the same way that therapy is. To have these conversations, to, to talk about these ideas and to be honest about where we are in life and what matters to us. And I'm really, really pleased and proud that I get to have those conversations with smart people who are doing interesting things. And Jim and Patrick certainly qualify. So I really hope you enjoy this conversation with uh, Jim Linehan and Patrick Foster of Rocking the Suburbs. Please pay attention at the very end. Jim is so thoughtful and conscientious that after we got done talking later in the day, he sent me a text message with a one minute or so audio message that was attached to it that I'm going to put at the end of our talk where he goes out of his way to make sure that he thanks all the volunteers and interns they've had over the years during the pod because he was concerned that he had made it seem as though he and Patrick had done all of the work themselves and he didn't want to take that credit. That's an example of community and leadership and these are the kinds of people that I want to say yes and to. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Jim Lenahan and Patrick Foster from Rockin' the Suburbs. So what what is the origin story? I mean, I know you guys you guys started uh it was a podcast, yes, at USA Today. Mm-hmm. That's that's mm-hmm. so Tell me how that happened. Where, like, who approached you? Whose idea was it? What were you doing before this happened? It was Patrick's um, idea. Yeah. Well, there was just. So does that mean? The... Does that mean you have to take the blame? <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess I do. Um, it was at a time in a big media organization. Without getting too deep into that side of it, where they decided. Uh, having more podcasts would be a good idea because everybody was doing podcasts at the time. So there was just kind of an open call, right, Jim, for, right. hey, does anybody have any podcast ideas? Yeah. Um, they cleared out like an old room to use as a little studio. And uh, Jim and I just physically worked next to each other and had seen each other and talked, you know, every now and then about different things. And I think music came up at one point and I kept saying, Dad Rock, me and you, man, Dad Rock, let's yep. do it. And uh, when the when the time came, we just pulled the trigger on it. But I think what's important to note here is that we were not working as music journalists for USA no. Today. We had different jobs as editors there. And I think that's important to how the show developed because we approached it more from a fan perspective than mm-hmm. a than what most journalists would in music would pr- approach it from more of a critic's perspective, right? And um, we were just huge music fans who would just annoy people with how much we talked about music. And so we thought if we could, uh, I think everybody thought if they could put them in the little room to talk about it in the microphones, that would be to the benefit of the whole. You know, <laughs> right. right? So and we will have to listen to if nothing else, even across if, the newsroom. <laughs> yeah, if nothing else, even if you don't have listenership, at least uh, at least they got you out of the way. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. And I think Jim's point is really important because another thing we were able to do was it wasn't like, oh, you know, 98 Degrees just put out a reunion album and that's something USA Today should cover. So we're going to have 98 Degrees on the podcast. There wasn't that at all. It was just us 
talking about what we wanted to talk about. You were very much given like, okay, here's a here's a little bit of uh, of uh, resource and like a really long leash to hang yourself, so to speak. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally. That's, and that's awesome. And, and also, really, I mean, I realize it's a small investment for them, but it still involves you spending time on it. That's on the clock. That's mm -hmm. really interesting at that point in the state of sort of the economic state of journalism at that moment. That's really fascinating. Um, it is, but it came at a moment. This was in 2015, I think it was. Um, I think, yeah. That's on right. Mm -hmm. It came at a moment where really like podcasting was starting to explode. So they were really willing to just kind of throw stuff out. Got there it. And see what worked. Right. And fortunately ours worked like we got an audience very quickly. Um, mm -hmm. And I think, and I really think, honestly, I think part of it was that um, that we spoke to people in that sort of, like I said, that sort of fan voice, like, like Patrick was just saying, we felt no obligation to cover the daily or weekly news or any of that kind yeah, of stuff. You don't right? have to, so, you don't have to present it in the way of say, like all songs considered on NPR, which I think right. does a good job, but like part of their mission is that they are a news organization. They are right. covering mm -hmm. new stuff and it's, it's interesting. And I'm kind of in the same boat. Like I can cover new things. I can talk about new stuff, but really the conversations that are important to me and the things I really want to talk about are evergreen. They're things that I've been interested in oh. for years or decades, right? Uh, and the idea is if I talk about something new, it ought to fit into whatever that pattern of, of taste or choice or uh, uh, sort of maturation of, of uh, what you do as a listener and a collector and a viewer of, of, of culture. Like it ought to inform that in a way where like you're basically going along and instead of going, here's every new thing, you're sort of like carefully curating what to add to the museum. Mm -hmm. That was it. And I, and I, I will say there, the journalists in us, though, you know, we did try to find often, you know, time pegs for things. So, like, I remember one of the very first episodes we did was about Madonna. And it was mm -hmm. literally just pegged to the fact she had a new album out. We didn't really talk about the new album. We just went back and talked about her catalog and our favorite songs and so on and so forth. And um, so there was always that, like, what can we hang this on a little bit? But yeah, after that, we could just sort of run. So for the most part, when you did cover new stuff, it was really just a way to sort of contextualize a conversation about something else. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so how long did you guys do that at USA Today before it became its own independent thing? Uh, two years. Okay. Mm -hmm. and, okay. And the fact that, that we left USA Today and then started our, you know, launched our own independent podcast had nothing to do with, with the podcast side of USA Today it had everything to do with other aspects of, sure. uh, of uh, the journalism industry. Now, did you have to change so, the, did you so have to we change did still the have name date. or anything? So is it technically we, a, okay. Yeah, we did. I don't want to get too much into that. We did, yeah. you know, but the point is we, we did have still, you know, the quote unquote day jobs at in the newsroom. Yeah. And um, there were, you know, personal reasons for us wanting to, to move on from those. Um, yes, we did. Uh, I'll let Patrick go into this a little bit more, but sure, no you problem. know, but basically all the IP, right, you know, belonged to USA Today. Yeah. And so, yeah, there was a name change. There was even it drove a lot of the changes in in format and things like that, too, like the great decision we made to go daily. <laughs> okay. Uh, now, the, the tone with which you, you say that, Jim, leads me to believe that this may have also been Patrick's idea. It was. <laughs> and how are, we, how are we feeling about that, that commitment and living up to it now, five days a week, dudes? Um, 
<laughs> yeah, it's that yoke that we carry around our shoulders. <laughs> I'd say mostly good. It's, you know, yeah. it really was seriously like, how do we differentiate this? Yeah. And the, you know, Dad Rock was weekly and like an hour long. So we thought, well, why don't we do, we'll still record like once a week, but we'll do like short bursts that'll be like about 10 minutes each. And there'll be five days a week. It's a great, in a way, it's and, a great delivery system. Uh, like, for example, you guys did a thing, and, and forgive me on the timing of this. I want to say it was a year or so ago. But you did this multi-part episode with a listener about Flying Nun Records out of New Zealand, which is a, mm -hmm. a yep. soft spot for me, and it's a thing that I love. It's And it's also not a label or a scene that gets talked about a lot in these kind of worlds. Like, it kind of gets forgotten, or maybe it gets, like, a little bit of coverage and it's one band like people will talk about the chills or something and then they'll kind of leave it at that so that was really fun and i happened to find it a couple weeks after you put it out so mm -hmm. it was three or four parts or whatever so i just ate them up in an hour but again if i was if i was going okay i i listen to this every day when i go to the gym and it's part of my it's part of 20 minutes on the treadmill I could still do it every day and then catch up yeah, when I wanted yeah. to. So in that respect, it's a, it's a little bit like the way that, uh, oh shoot, his name is escaping me right now. Uh, is it Tom Boswell, the baseball writer for the post? Mm -hmm. And uh, he had a great line one time and he said, the most beautiful thing about baseball is, uh, as Earl Weaver says, we do this every day, kid. And he right. said, so, <laughs> so it's there when you need it. And it, it, yeah. It, it, it goes on and it has a life and then you can come back to it. And so in that respect, doing it daily is uh, not only is it a huge undertaking, but it's also a really wonderful option as a, as a fan. Well, and that was sort of what we wanted to test, I guess, was could we become part of people's daily routine, yeah. right? So if it's, if you know, it's there for you every morning, you listen to it every day as you're you know, brushing your teeth and getting ready for work or on your drive to work or whatever, or working out, whatever that might be. Yeah. It's that daily little bit. And I think we've found that with the hardcore community that we've, that we've built up, it is that way because there's been a couple of occasions where we might have missed the day. We've been really, really good. <laughs> yeah. We've been real, I mean, amazing uh, batting average um, we have and, on this. And forgive me, about it. I, I looked right before, we got, uh, right, right before we got on, but 1,600 shows this week, is that yeah. right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. we're up That's to 1,600 un-freaking-believable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, so I mean. But there's I don't been those occasional ones where it's like, there's been those occasional moments where it's like, can we find an excuse to take a day off and we yeah. cite some minor holiday or something and, yeah. uh, and people will complain. Right. So <laughs> that's right. It's like, where was my episode yeah. today? So, you know, that's how, you know, it kind of working now, I would say on the, the con side to it. Um, of course it's an incredible amount of work. Of course you don't stick to the 10 minute limit that you said you were going to do. Right. And so it just becomes even more work. And then, I do think it becomes overwhelming for some people and can be a barrier to entry, right? Like if you, mm -hmm. if somebody comes in new on this and says 1600 episodes, where the hell do I start? You know, right. yeah. uh, it can be daunting, right? Uh, over. Well, it's a, yeah. I mean, it's not GBV level daunting, but we're in the neighborhood. <laughs> you know, you're like, but, like rocking the suburbs is like solo Rob Pollard. Uh, <laughs> level we're not quite to g once you get to like three thousand episodes then we'll put you in the right, in right. the, in yeah. the we'll get my voices canon man i want to say one more thing about this because you hit on something of, yeah, about of sort of the 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 rhythm and the dedication to it right and um uh one of our guests once uh this guy terry banks who um is in a dc band called dot dash and they're really excellent power pop band everyone should check out dot dash 
but he said it so perfectly to me that I hadn't even thought. He said, it's, he said, it's because of your newspaper background. You publish something every day. And I was like, yeah, that makes perfect sense. And that's why even at the beginning, I didn't laugh at the idea because I knew we could do it because we have that sort of in our DNA, right? That you just, you put something out every day and the next day, and the, you know, the, we'll try again the next day. And hopefully over time, you know, it just gets better because we're, we're exercising that. Those the other thing that's so beautiful about sort of the, 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 the dedication to that process is that there are going to be days where you know you're not doing your best work and you're forcing yourself to finish it. I just had an experience like this the other day yeah. where I went, I wanted this to be better. And the reality is the only way that I'm going to get better at this is to deliver this and do it better next time, not to fix mm -hmm. this one. And the things that are wrong with it are probably going to be noticed by me and a handful of other people. Mm -hmm. And what will last is the fact that I did the work. You know, I had a guest on really early on and she and I were talking and she hit on this idea that like, what if genius is just doing something really well over a long period of time? Mm -hmm. There's a lot to that. And it is, you know, it has become in some ways, hey, we got to put the podcast to bed, you know, and then we can go on with the rest of our, our day or that, right. you know, that's kind of it today. And is it taken care of? Is it, mm -hmm. is it set for tomorrow? I mean, there was the one occasion where literally I woke up and said, it's Sunday today, but it wasn't. It was Monday. <laughs> I totally forgot right. that it was Monday. Right. And that's the error code PF. Put that on Twitter to explain that we didn't get it done. But, uh, but I think, Matt, when you talk about creating something, being a creative person in this world, there is something to be said. I, I do believe in this. There's something to be said for the discipline of doing it, right? And Well, it's work. If, if you wait for it to be perfect, you, you'll probably never get it done, right? Yeah. And so if you know you're on this schedule, um, you put it out there. And Patrick actually said this to me very early on. Um, you know, if I would be, I don't know, grousing about how something w wasn't quite right in an episode or it could have been better or whatever, he goes, well, we'll do better tomorrow. You know, and that's kind of how you have to look at it. What a, what a fantastic ethos just for life in general. Right. Like just we'll do better tomorrow. Uh, this this harkens back to another conversation I had with a friend recently where we were talking about I was envious of a skill set that he has where he goes to bed and he kind of, as you talked about with the podcast, he puts it to bed. Yeah. Today was today. Tomorrow's a new thing. And I do a bad job of sort of bringing my baggage with me. And so I think I think there's a lesson in in what you're saying through the pod, just like in terms of like sort of having proper perspective, I guess. Yeah, you know, I, I believe in that. Yeah, um, yeah, without a doubt. What do you? Okay, so so when you guys, uh, so I wrote down, I wrote down something that I'm absolutely going to call you now. Um, I'm going to refer to you as the Woodward and Bernstein of Dad Rock, because you worked <laughs> next to each other at a news organization, and I'm of a certain age, and I can't not make that joke. Um, but my question is, like, before you started working on this together, other than proximity, what was your relationship like? Um, I think we were just casual acquaintances right yeah Just sort of kind of work, would... work chums yeah 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 more yeah. or less mm -hmm. okay and then obviously doing the, the podcast changed that relationship completely it did and i will tell you uh, and i don't have a any kind of great advice um to espouse here um we had i really do believe this patrick i we we started some of the very first recordings that we did i think we had sort of an instant chemistry yeah, as co-hosts, 
we got lucky. Mm-hmm. And we did. I think we got lucky. I really yeah. don't think that that, because we weren't great friends before. I mean, you know, we were work chumps. Like you said, we would talk and stuff at work, but we didn't have a relationship outside of work at all. We didn't know each other's families. We didn't, mm-hmm. you know, hang out. Um, none of that. I mean, all that's happened. All that's grown since. But people would say like, oh, God, you guys must have been friends for years. And like, well, I'm glad it sounds that way. It's, it is. Yeah. And it's, well, first of all, it sometimes you just, like you said, you just luck out, right? You just meet somebody and you start a thing and you just go, well, this was supposed to happen. And you mm-hmm. just kind of roll with it because what else are you going to do? But what I find fascinating is that um, this is another example of, do we, and you, Jim, you and I talked about this a little off the air. There are a lot of people in our age in our age bracket that don't have a lot of friends, that don't have a lot of genuine, like intimate male relationships. And what I have found that's worked for me and what I'm learning from having this conversation with the two of you is that doing a thing is going to increase your chances of finding those people that will mean something to you uh, in the middle of your life. We are yeah. all we're all at an age where we're not going to meet kids, dads. And, and maybe get lucky and one of them's cool and knows about Wilco, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> True. so so we got to go out and kind of find these things, especially if our lives are changing, if we're moving or if we're in a different place, if we change job or whatever. And it's really easy to kind of calcify and just kind of hang out at home, mm-hmm. you know? And I think this is a great community for people like that to be engaged. But I think it's also a wonderful example that even if you don't have a big audience, uh, go and make things with your friends and it will deepen your relationship and it will, it will make your life better. It just will. Yeah. I completely agree with that. And you don't have to go to the extreme of spending six nights in an Airstream tailor with that person who you're making something <laughs> with. <laughs> you don't have to go that far, but we did survive that. It, yeah, it was true. <laughs> and you know, what was that experience like? I don't think I know about that. That's oh, how, well, yeah, that was probably, uh, well, we had a lot of fun when we were doing the USA Today thing, but that they were uh, permitted us to do this trip to take an Airstream trailer all the way down to South by Southwest from DC and stop in cities along the way and interview musicians and, and stuff. Um, Holy cow. What year was this? Uh, gosh, it was 2016, 16, I believe. Yeah, man. No, wait. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 2016. 2016 South by and uh, yeah, that was we were fantastically lucky to do that. And that's uh, incredible. We made content all the way along the way. And uh, dude, one of many incredible ideas that Jim has come up with along the way to um, make it more interesting for the lister, um, a better experience for us to be creative and and learn how to do the podcast in different ways you know because we were recording sometimes in the airstream trailer or you know in somebody's um backstage you know or wherever and we had people come to where the airstream was and, and talk to the to us so it it really opened up the the amount of ideas that we the things we could possibly do with the the podcast format. And I think a lot of that's translated to rock in the suburbs with um, some of the stuff, house shows we did and, you know, some of the, the weeks that we put together and all kinds of things. So it really was down to Jim's creative vision. I think um, that a lot of this stuff has come off and that the community has become as uh, solid as it has. With, and do you uh, think the, do you people. think the, the idea of having the, the fests 
kind of grew out of that? Yeah, I think that was a direct probably outgrowth of that kind of experimentation and, and creative thinking on Jim's part for sure. When uh, Jim, when did you guys do that the first time? Which thing? The fests? We, yeah, we when did you, yeah, when did you do the Suburbs Fest the first time? So, suburbs Fest started uh, will be like a year and a half ago. So it was uh, the fall of 2021. And that, okay. that specifically was, I mean, we'd always had this idea of doing like live events that people, that listeners can come to. And we dabbled in it a little bit. We had a couple mm -hmm. of things at my house uh, that like local people could come to. And we had um, a couple small scale things that like, you know, local breweries or stuff like that. But um, the key was the pandemic really. Um, yeah. And how much the that experience really congealed the community i think in some way is that, is that the right right verb uh, yeah i it, I, I get it, where you're going it it really i mean it was like we, we had loyal listeners and we had people who would contribute a lot and i you know i should say that that to me was probably the biggest sort of key finding in all of this experience was um how we could get others to participate in our in our you know yeah uh, in our uh whatever the thing was we're putting out. But anyway, um, so we were always sort of advocates of getting uh, listener participation, but, um, but the pandemic, because of two things, one, um, people needed it. Like they just needed that. They needed of connection. Right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, cra it's crazy. And whether that was through the podcast, I think we just noticed the podcast, you know, the numbers, you know, maybe weren't as great, because people weren't commuting and things like that we lost some of that kind of those moments in time but the people who were listening just seemed way more into it right yeah so there was that and then also um we started doing these things called the friday night hoot nanny which um we did this i mean literally like at the end of march when the pandemic hit we we did our first one it it wasn't anything recorded for the podcast or anything like that it was purely just um let's get together on zoom and hang out and talk and play music for each other, which was another interesting thing. That was not anything the podcast ever really did. Um, um, but the ties that grew out of that, people would look forward to it every week and they would come and they would prepare songs. And some people never had no music background and they would get yeah. into it and start to do it. And, oh my and God. They, people would collaborate over over zoom in ways we never anticipated and and then there were like inside jokes that developed out of it and, and new relationships and bonds that formed and all of that it was just really an amazing thing it was like your night out it was like your substitute for your night out once a week right and yeah i have a uh, and i don't mean to like insert myself but like i have a, 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 a another podcast that i'm involved in that's a very similar thing and they have a subscribers only thursday night hangout and mm. it's like a it's like a politics and culture and kind of like humanities kind of thing and uh and those people have become my friends they've become people totally. you know what's crazy is i'm going on this house show tour and all but i think one of the dates that i've booked uh that is someone that i don't know i've either booked through contacts through this community or through that other podcast yeah, community. Wow. Like, those are the kinds of people that you find and it's it's one of those lessons that like people told you when you were 15 and you're like hey it's not the number of friends you have it's the quality <laughs> right. you know totally totally and i would i will say too that uh this is how you know it's it's real a lot of those people in that 
in those sessions, a lot of the listeners just became such close friends with each other. Like yes. it had no, yes. it bypassed us at some point. It just, you know, well, it like, becomes, we it don't becomes need Jim something... and Patrick anymore. We, we got yeah. each other, right? Okay. So, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's in that respect. I think it's a little bit like parenting, right? Mm. Like I built this thing and now you're doing it on your own and yeah. I don't need to be there all the time when you do it, but I can be, and that's fun, but I don't have to be. Yeah. And that like, there's a, like to me, that makes it feel like you've built a community that it's not just viable, but it's self-sustaining. Like now it's got its own inertia, even if it, you're not necessarily like, you know, pushing the ball down the, down the hill. I, right? It did. I mean, I mean, I think, you know, because we still do the podcast and all that, there's a center, there's still, still that core sure. that, that, that sits at the center of it. But, um, but it's fascinating to watch. Yes, it's become its own living, breathing organism, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, and sometimes I feel like I'm a just a participant, which is I don't even even mean to say just. I mean, like I'm fine with that. Like that's right. fun to me. I like to see what other people come up with and what how they build off of whatever is the thing. And I I we, think the other thing that's kind of it. incredible is like I've dipped my toe into this world with you guys and that other one, and those have basically been the two experiences where. I've had a, a a community where I felt engaged enough to reach out. And I'm, I'm not only two for two, like it, my life is so much more enriched just by reaching out and getting involved. And like, let's say that, <laughs> let's say I got really lucky and I went two for two and most people are going to go one for two or one for four. That's still a hell of a deal. Yeah, man. Like just get out there and try a right. little bit. Like there's amazing shit. I don't, you could be into making quilts or cooking or dad rock. There's something out there. There's a community for you. And I just, I think there's a lot of people who like, are like, I really want to, but I'm afraid. Like I, yeah. I went, to, you guys were so kind and you had, you had the sticker nons play at that thing in Chicago. And I not only saw a community of people who were happy to be there, but they were all super welcoming to each other. They weren't just welcoming to you into that. Like, it was like, oh, it was a little bit like, you know, uh, the whole mafia, like he's a friend of ours kind of thing. Like, yeah. oh, you're into this? You're, you must be cool. Come on in. Right, right, right. So so just to close the loop on this, the the Suburbs Fest, the first one we did in 2021, was really just the natural next step, right? We've mm -hmm. been hanging out all these Fridays for over a year, year and a half or something. It went literally every week. Um, and then it was just like, well, now we got to get together. We just, yeah. we just have to do it. And so we set up our first one. It was a three night thing, uh, in the DC suburbs in Northern Virginia. And, uh, and then we did two of them last year, the one that you talked about in, in Chicago, Matt, and another one in DC. And then we have two planned for this year, Louisville and DC again. So, um, uh, and people seem to like it, right, Patrick? <laughs> yeah, they did. And, you know, it was an amazing experience that first one because you know like like matt was saying just because we had put this together and started doing it and everybody else started participating there was an amazing feeling the first time we all got together in person a lot of these people you know I, there's this giant bear of a man from louisiana i've never met except for seen on a video screen and here i am jumping into his arms you know when i see him because this is amazing and you know, what you were talking about, Matt, really made me think of the example Jim alluded to during the Hootenanny, a, a person, a good friend of ours. He'd never, I don't think, even owned a musical instrument as far as I know, but he wrote a song on guitar. And that was a very brave thing to do and actually sing it in front of people. Oh, who, my God. You know, I've been playing for years and years and actually, wow. you know, are, are musicians. But 
to see the bravery in his face to do that yet the reward that we all got from him doing it i think yes. speaks to your point like just doing it you you're not only going to reward yourself but other people are going to be rewarded by uh, that effort as well it, yeah i mean it's those kind of moments that are just amazing where you see somebody find a voice or find a moment or a piece of themselves and i, I just think it's like i feel like i feel so humbled to be around when that happens yeah yeah it was an amazing experience it really was and um my, my friend oh, my you... friend rob my friend rob was so inspired by the hootenannies that he yes he he could he could play like one string on yeah. a guitar you know like that kind of playing just up and down like yeah. one string but he's he just with from that he wrote a song and he turns out he's a good lyricist so yeah. I, you know like who knew right but he he had a real knack for the lyrics i really think but you know he, he just kind of plinked it out and then from there other people wanted to help him and so then so then people who you know were more adept at guitar what have you would then record backing music against his mm -hmm. his lyrics and his singing and he actually went to indiana at one point and recorded with some people who have a studio out there to get this oh song done i mean it's unbelievable right so is that available oh yeah yeah okay. absolutely. i'll have yeah. you send that to me we'll put it in the show notes that's incredible yeah, yeah that'd be great um so and who would have predicted that would come out of it right yeah I, just well that's and that's that's the other thing like who who would have thought like when you started a, a podcast together that it would have lasted and and blossomed into a friendship and then somehow into a community and then somehow overlapped into a series of other communities like it's so great and and, and i'll say matt it's the community though that fuels it like Anytime you have a creative idea, I'm sure everybody has to deal with this. You get excited at the beginning. I'm going to do this. This is going to be awesome. And it's, you know, and you take on the world. And then the reality sets in of the work that it's going to take to do that. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and, and speaking of suburb success, this happens to me every single time at the beginning. I'm like, this is, I can't wait to set up this event. This is going to be so much fun. Yeah. And then I get into the weeds of it. And I'm like, what have I gotten myself into? <laughs> this is, I'm never doing this again. Right. But it's the community that fuels it. It's it's what got me up every morning to edit a podcast before I went to work. It's what got, it's what makes me organize these fests with all these moving pieces and parts to it, right? It's it's what makes it, it, it you know it, it's it's what makes all of this go because you you want to do it for them, you know you you want to keep it going yeah. in some way or or, or main, it's not even for them. It's like with them. It's maintain the that, yeah those bonds and that that those relationships it's it's like it is, um right? it's a little bit like saying hey you know we have uh we have this you know this standing social thing every day or every week that we do together right. and uh if i don't post the pod it's like i didn't show up right yeah right. you're right you know and it's yeah. like i let i let my i let my friends down i didn't i didn't right. live up to the commitment that i made to the people that i care about um and yeah that's the that's the reason that sort of compels you to keep creating the work in your case uh, it's just you know uh it's it has to be all about a system and then being able to to sort of follow that and i'm i'm kind of i kind of admire the fact that not only have the two of you found a way to work together creatively but also so to sort of negotiate or navigate all that logistical bs that you have to do to kind of make it happen um and then and then you get to the point where you don't want to say it's on autopilot but you get to the point where like you have a pretty good idea of what you're doing and then your community comes along and elevates it in a in an amazing way yeah, yeah totally i mean it is to the point now where if 
some parts of the podcast itself aren't right. I'll hear things like uh, when we announced the suburban party line on our podcast, I always put a lot of reverb on the the phrase 1984, right? I always oh, soak of course. it in reverb. And if I forget to do that, people will text me and say, hey, you forgot to put the reverb on 1984 today. <laughs> Literally. Wow. We get we just got to get you a little, we got to get you one of those little podcast stations where you can just hit a button. Yeah, exactly. Hit right. a button. Yeah. Pop yeah. it in. Yeah, just toss it in there like good old radio <laughs> DJ. Speaking of speaking of radio, talk to me about uh, talk to me about suburbs radio. What it, what uh, what was the rationale behind that? I mean, that's another thing that listeners are involved in. Mm-hmm. Uh, where where what was the genesis of that, and and where is it headed? I'll I'll give you a little bit, and then I want Patrick to talk about this because he's he's um he's more involved in this than I am. But um, it came from one of our listeners, Heath Jacobson. He lives in Michigan. He lives in uh, Grand Rapids. And he had background, he would talk always sort of lovingly about his days as a college radio DJ at Western mm-hmm. Michigan. Okay. Okay. And and how he just like yearned to do that again. So he had this idea. In fact, I even think he would go back once a year for like some alumni radio yeah. DJ ship. Have or alumni whatever. night oh, day wow. or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. So he loved it so much. So he he was the one who came up with this idea. And he did the research and we, he found the platform we could use to launch a 24-7 radio station, online radio station. And so that exists now, Rock in the Suburbs Radio. Uh, this went up, kind of the soft launch was the around Thanksgiving a year ago, year ago mm-hmm. Thanksgiving, whatever that was, 2021. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyway, but it really didn't get going until like the following winter, spring. But anyway, um <clears throat> But so he's our station manager. He takes this all upon himself. He he organizes the whole thing. He schedules all, all the shows and all this kind of stuff. But the shows are uh, disc jockeyed by various members of the community, right? So I, I do one hour. No, I'm sorry. I do two hours a week. One show, two hours a week. Patrick does, well, you do two shows two each two hours yeah. a week, right? But lots of other people have taken it upon themselves to volunteer and, and, and do these radio shows and uh, they seem to love it. Patrick, right? And- yeah, absolutely. And certainly we've, uh, Keith Jacobson, who, who we're talking about, our general manager has brought in people that were not even, at least to my knowledge, part of the podcast community to do shows and they had a certain passion for it. One thing that I find very satisfying about it um, relating to the podcast is that we're limited on the podcast, of course, to about 90 seconds of music. So we can spend four to five minutes or even longer talking about a particular piece of music and a certain guitar break or a certain amplifier sound or something, but you can only give a very small sample of that. You can't let the whole thing unspool, but when you have a radio show, you can do so. And that's a very satisfying feeling, at least for me. Uh, to be able to hear the entire piece of music and you know as much as you want and there are certain restrictions that you have to work under but there are ways to you know work around that but i, I also am wildly impressed by how diverse the shows are i mean there's a show on called marty ska that's <laughs> basically like a combination between new orleans and ska music and oh wow you know, there's all kinds of different things uh that people have done and i'm you know being a veteran of of 
four or five different colleges, none of which I obtained a degree from, never had the chance to actually be on a radio show. So I find that to be tremendously fun. It's my chance to have a college radio station. And I think so we are of a, a certain era where radio is kind of a sacrosanct sort of delivery system for music. Yeah. Um, you know, I certainly grew up kind of in the golden age of college radio. I mean, mm -hmm. the, the radio station here at Michigan State University started in 1988, which was my junior year of high school. Wow. Um, so, you know, like that kicked off and like immediately a weird kid living kind of out in the rural burbs five miles north of campus could find a place where he could actually hear Echo and the Bunny Men and the Cure on the radio. Right. And right. so, you know, all of a sudden I wasn't just the weirdo who found out about the Sunday night show on MTV. And like, yeah. it became like, it wasn't like, it wasn't like I got a hall pass or anything, but like <laughs> it became a thing that was, it was, you know, cause obviously the, you know, you couldn't just grab your phone and show everybody the world of music. Right. And so it was a great way for me to kind of engage friends to go, Hey, let's listen to this in the car while we're driving around for an hour. Yeah. And you're going to hear a couple of things I might be into without me having to like proselytize all the time. Yeah. And so I, you know, I think we all have kind of that sort of, romantic relationship with with radio and so it's not surprising that somebody like keith uh who's been super helpful in trying to help me get a show um and uh i, I just again it's another sign of of how wonderful the community is and the the cool stuff that other people can decide you might want to try to do and and more importantly convince you you're able to do mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. that's a big part of it right yeah there are i, I know there's people who are I think would be great at it, but still struggle with that very thing of, of being able to actually do it. Yeah. Um, and you know, for some people it might be, it might be uh, a barrier to entry, like, Oh, the technology is difficult. You know, mm. most of that stuff can, can be overcome fairly easily. And usually we're using that as a front for another hold up or hang up. Uh, at least that's how, that's, <laughs> that's how my <laughs> brain works. Um, no, I totally agree with that. Yeah. Uh, and one of the other things that I that I really adore about about the program is that it has a bit of an international flair. It does, uh, yeah. specifically, big Scotland representation in the uh, <laughs> suburbs pod community. Uh, shout out to Kevin Robertson and uh, and Stephen Rallage. Um, how did that ha did that just happen organically? Yeah, it really did. Um, That's wild. It it was, and and you know one of the things that early on, we sort of, you know, thought of as an idea, and maybe we had a phone call with somebody who worked in the music business, I want to say we were talking to somebody who said, you know, one thing I like about your podcast is when you guys talk about new music. So we initiated this series once a month where Jim and I would pick a couple of new songs. And then all of a sudden, our one of our listeners from Scotland, Stephen, just started sending in his own choices for new music. It turns out he did a tremendous amount of listening to music during his workday um, more than we did. And that just started the ball rolling for a series that now, you know, takes up about a week every month where people it's call awesome. them with their new music picks and so many bands I didn't know about, I've learned about. Um, it's super cool. Yeah. Yeah. And just the, you know, the sound of those guys from Scotland, especially another guy, Roger Grace is great too with this. It just sounds like the most charming gentle scotsman you could ever hear but he's you know here's a kamikaze death march i'm really into their new album or whatever it might be he's just tossing off the most ridiculous thing so it's really wonderful 
that's obviously all been organic i mean there's we did not we you know we haven't taken out any like advertising in the european union or anything like that no. right so it's like you know I, how how these people find us well i'll tell you how they find us they usually tell us it's because it's usually because of like one particular artist yeah i think okay. in steven's case i want to say maybe it was teenage fan club or something like that like we talked once about teenage fan club and that got him hooked onto our mm -hmm. show you know it's like stuff like that right Sure. Yeah. Um, for Niklas, who Niklas Nygards, who lives in Sweden, who's one of our most loyal listeners, um, I think it was Matthew Sweet. He was a big Matthew Sweet fan, and we talked about Matthew Sweet, and that just mm -hmm. kind of got him hooked. So there's things like that. But, um, but if you had, again going back to this whole thing, if you had told me we'd have listeners in you know Scotland, Sweden, Ireland, Poland, yeah. you know, I think Australia now, like. You know, it's not a lot. It's a few people, but still, it shows you the power of the reach that you can accomplish these days, right? I mean, you know, oh, it's it's, of... in, it's incredible. I mean, I have, uh, I don't know, maybe like four hundred people subscribed to my Substack in the first couple of months. You know, I'm sort of growing it, you know, bit by bit, and uh, five percent of my audience is Irish. Wow. Yeah. See, like, you know, right. like I'm thrilled. Wow. I I love it. Uh, yeah, you that's know, great. Hook me up with a with a Galway house show. Let's do it. It's crazy, Absolutely. Matt. You you were talking about college radio when I was um, when I was in college at Indiana. Um, there I knew of a station in Oxford, Ohio, called WOXY ninety seven X, the future of rock and roll. It's, it was made famous in the in the uh, movie Rain Man. But uh, oh right, yes. But, but it was a it was considered nationally if you had ever if you read any music you know publication or whatever it was considered like sort of this gold standard of like alternative rock radio at a time when that barely existed right and, uh, and so this would have been in the 80s and and my drive from my hometown of toledo ohio to bloomington indiana i could get this station in for about maybe 30 minutes right and i knew exactly where it would like where it would come in on my route when I could lose it. And that was like the most thrilling, like 30 minutes of, you know, that I would have that month, you know, whatever it might be. And now we can put something out there and boom, the whole world can, yeah. if they choose, listen yeah. to it. Right. It's just amazing to me, but I'll say this too. Um, speaking of the, the European contingent, Stephen and Nicholas in particular, they would come on these Friday night hoot nannies and uh, with regularity. And, and it's four o'clock in the morning out. where they live. Yeah. Right. Hang out and play music and listen and listen to all, all of our nonsense. And, you know, until, yeah, like 4 a.m. or whatever. The sun, I think, I think, well, especially in Sweden, like the sun would be coming up sometimes because the sun, you know, certain times of year doesn't, you know, does weird things, right? That we yeah. don't experience here. But, um, yeah, it was crazy. And then um, Nicholas, both of them came to one of our suburbs fest uh, last year in D.C. Nicholas stayed at my house. Oh, my God. So, yeah. It was great. That's incredible. It was fantastic. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I don't, I always hate to do the whole what's next, but like, do you have a, <laughs> like, do you have like, are there things that you would like to evolve things that you would like to incorporate, maybe do more or shift, uh, that, that, that you're either working on or, or considering, I mean, I'm not going to hold you to anything. I'm just kind of, I'm kind of wondering about yeah. how you guys sort of approach the future of the pod. That's a good, that's a really good question. I, you know, um, so one thing I want to say, first off, if there's any listener confusion here, the, the, the podcast that we've been doing for the last however many years is Rock in the Suburbs, right? So Dad Rock was the old, the old show we talked about. Uh, Rock, in, Rock in the Suburbs is the thing now. 
Um, I will say, I do, before I get into that, I do want to say though, because I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm pumping my, my dedication to this up, to uh, level level higher than maybe is is true. Um, I did sort of hit a wall about a year ago, and this okay. I think happens in the creative, you know, world, right? Where literally it was like like last March, where I was just like, I I can't keep up this pace anymore. And so in the last year, the show has morphed into more of like a tag team effort than a than a yep. than a partnership. We still will will be on some episodes together, but a lot of them, I'd say it's probably seventy, gosh, maybe eighty percent of like Patrick hosting alone, and then me, you know, twenty to twenty five percent coming in, either with him or on my own. So we we I think we there was a moment there where we sort of like we have to divide this up a little bit more, yeah, because it's just otherwise we just can't do it. And then again. We don't want to let down the community, right? So, like, mm -hmm. can we keep this going? And they're very understanding. And in fact, oh, they'll sure. even sometimes um, put in, you know, they'll sometimes even submit their own episodes that they've recorded. Yeah. People like that, wow. sort of like plug these in when you need a break, you know, stuff like that. So, yeah. anyway, but um, but what I'm going to, what I was going to say is, as far as where this is going, uh, I w I wish I could say that. No, I don't actually. I was about to say I wish I could say we had a great plan for this and we were really smart and we had a whole you know uh five-year business plan and all that kind of stuff <laughs> but it wouldn't have been this much fun i don't think if we had done that yeah. it might have been smarter it'll you know you also could never have plays, but... you also could i don't think i don't think you could have envisioned building a community like this from scratch no right no. right i think we i think we've been i think the thing we've done wisely is sort of Put some, you know, put some kind of definition or box around it, but from there, sort of follow it where it takes us, right? Yeah. So um, it's like, yeah, it's like you build, you build the, you know, you construct the stage, but then what happens on that stage kind of depends on a lot of other factors, right? Mm -hmm. What what mm -hmm. what you want what you want to put out there, and then what people respond to, and then and what having other some. I mean, don't you think it's also key to have some flexibility? Yeah, I do think yeah, so. Absolutely. You know, I mean, and, and I, always like, wanna, like... I always, I always, I'm very interested in trying different things. So, like, yeah, one of the things that I'm sorry, I'm I, Patrick. I promise you're going to get a chance to talk. No, no. <laughs> so, uh, but one of the things, um, because of of my not being on the show every day now, it it I do it has opened up some new ideas for me to kind of I almost. To use a journalism sense, I almost think of myself now as like the special projects editor kind of guy. Yeah. Like, like I just recently recorded six episodes that haven't posted yet. Um, I did six episodes about the show The Young Ones, which people might remember that show. Mm -hmm. uh, was a BBC show and it was also on MTV. And um, I specifically recorded it with my friend Will, just because we both had loved that show so much, and then also Stephen Routledge from Scotland, because I thought it'd be really interesting to get the UK perspective on the show. Yeah. And we did six episodes, but I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm sort of putting more, even more effort into these episodes because I really want them to be like like something a little and bit are you, you know, gonna put different. these on the rock in the suburbs feed is yes. that the plan okay it will be out there probably not until may because i'm taking a different approach with this which is that I, I want to get them all recorded all edited all six of them done 
before the first one even goes up, right? Yeah. Because yes. I, I don't want to, this is the one where I may be being a little too precious, where I'm like, I don't even want to have that deadline pressure on this. I want to just get it done and then- Yeah, get it, it all in the so, can and then figure right. out how to put it put it out there, right. yeah. So um, so anyway, my point being, I'm, I'm looking more, I'm trying to look a little bit more at like, what's something different or special or unique that we haven't really done yet? Well, to me, that's that's kind of exciting and interesting because it feels tangential to kind of the, the, the core community and the things you guys have been discussing and that mm -hmm. that sort of those cultural touchstones. But at the same time, it's not music like it's sort of related. But like so it's it's in a way it's opening up a new world where you're saying, OK, we can we can expand the definition of our universe here a little bit. Right. Yeah. So, so like go ahead. What's next for Patrick? Well, I two things I wanted to say. One was. Um, I'm a big advocate of whether it's in music composition, where this is something that in the music that I play with my group that we think about a lot is to say, here's the, the, the definition of this, right? Let's say from 35 seconds into the song until two minutes, okay, there's a minute and a half there. You can do whatever you want inside that space. You can, it can be total chaos. You can rub a, a frying pan against your guitar strings. But when that time period is up, then it's over and you got to move on. And so within the podcast itself, because we've established those boundaries very strictly of a daily weekday music podcast, we can try to do all kinds of different things inside of it. I'm totally willing to do that. I don't think I'm going to get to the point where we're going to play a whole episode backwards or something, but it's like the... You know, you think about the way Letterman, which was a big influence for both me and Jim, tried all kinds of different things right. on his show, you know, and and succeeded in many. And some were just crazy and weird and not very funny. But at least, you know, as we talked about, you got it out and you, you went back tomorrow to do something different. But I think the thing that I've always hoped is that there would be a spinoff of this podcast created by people who listened to it, who connected with each other because they met and they put something together and that went off and became whatever it was. And it doesn't necessarily have to be even music related. It could be baseball or cricket or uh, politics or anything, horseshoes, I don't know, but it would be great if that happens. However, I know there have been some efforts to try, but there's a tremendous amount of work that goes into making a podcast. <laughs> yeah, It may seem like you just turn on the YouTube link and record it and then put it out for people, but there's a whole lot more <laughs> that goes into it. And it's a daunting prospect. So um, I'm hopeful and that most of that will still catch. And it feels like most of that work is done after you've done the fun bit, which is talking. Mostly. That's yeah. right. That's like you have the these conversations yeah. and you go, damn, that was great. And then you sit down and go, okay, so that was an hour long. That's going to take me two hours to clean that shit up. Right. Who's editing uh, this one? Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Patrick, I think that's, I think, like, first of all, what a wonderful goal. Your whole goal is that this would create something else that doesn't have anything to do directly with the two of you, except for the fact that you put these people together. Right, like that, right. that in and of itself is, is a hell of a legacy. If that's all you, you two accomplish is to have, is to have made these connections with people. That's a wonderful thing. Um, and to me, that's the, that's like, that's why I'm doing the work I'm doing. It's why I wanted to talk to you guys. Mm -hmm. It's, it's why, I think that everybody who's kind of in this spot of sort of weird cultural loneliness after the pandemic, where we think we got back to life and we really didn't. Right. I, I think we all kind of need this kind of stuff, even if it's just a way to kind of bridge us back to the real world. Um, I know how easy it is. I work from home. I think you guys both work from home. 
Mm-hmm. Um, Jim does well. It's very, it's yeah. very, very easy to sort of like disappear into your own little space and then yep. go, oh, I haven't been out in the world and that's why I feel awful. Yeah. I think that's yeah. very true. Can I tell you though, there is one example, there's probably more than this, Patrick, but there's one that comes to mind where there is kind of this offshoot of the podcast in some, into something that has a creative life of its own, which is the Mike Wagner Echo Park Jimmy collaboration. Oh, yeah. Right? Exactly. So, so Mike Wagner is... There it is. He's a good friend of ours now, but he, you know, wasn't somebody we knew before the podcast. He was a listener who latched onto it. And uh, he's, he's a great friend um, and a really good musician. And my high school, a high school friend of mine from Ohio, who now lives in California, his name is Jim Petrillo. He goes by Echo Park Jimmy. He started listening to podcasts and started calling in with these really funny calls. And he became this sort of side character on the podcast. And that was also, I will just say as an aside, that was a good example where we sort of just said like, let's break free of, let's try something different. And we would just yeah. run like a half hour of him talking over the phone, <laughs> like a monologue. <laughs> and, and people loved it because he was that funny. But anyway, he also became then a big fan favorite on the Friday Night Hootenannies that we did. Mm-hmm. He just connected with people. He was funny guy. He was charming. Also a musician, although not as like professional as, as, as Mike might be. But anyway, Mike really saw something in the way Jim sings. And so for this new album that he's recording, Jim is the singer. That's and, right. For, and for the whole record? I believe so. I yeah. think so, right? I think so. Um, we've heard many of the tracks and they're yeah. outstanding. And the fact that, again, that this high school friend of mine and then this other guy who lives in Texas who I, you know, met because he listened to <laughs> the stuff we were doing, right? But they're, they're now like collaborators on something, a totally different Creative yeah. project, right? That's, that's amazing. Great example. That's an amazing thing. One other thing I'll say, I, I told you a little bit about this, Matt, but I, this blew my mind. I know it blew Patrick's mind. I know it blew the listener's mind. Um, I mentioned the name Nick Gloss before. He just submitted an episode to us where he did like a little radio play kind of thing. And I, it's so hard to even describe, but he took the way he did it. It was all based on the Breakfast Club. And the idea was that certain listeners were in detention because they didn't follow the rules that we had set out. So about he literally like created yeah, this whole right? narrative with different people from the community. Yes. So, but here's how he did it. He recorded himself as the, you know, the vice principal or whatever he was, you know, remember the breakfast club, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, he recorded himself in that role, but then he went back to previous episodes and took listeners voices from when they called in, into little snippets that he could, that made sense in the dialogue. You, you, am I explaining this right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And so it's not like he engaged any of these people to record this thing. He took their voices from previous episodes from when they would call into the show and 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 wrote around that and made these little clips into dialogue. <laughs> and and it was like mind blowing, wasn't it? Wow. And he, t- what yeah. it, he said it took him eight hours to put it all together. Yeah. Oh, my right. God. Yeah. <laughs> and it's amazing. like 12 minutes long. You know? Yeah. So are you guys going to air this? We did. We did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Yeah. I have to go back and I have to go back and listen to this. I, I missed this one. I'm so sorry. What just okay. incredible. But again, look at yeah. like, look at like last week. It's called the breakfast 1, club. 1600 episodes. It's hard to keep yeah. up. 
It uh, is. It can be. <laughs> um, guys, thank you so much for this. It's just amazing. I, I, I love what you've done and what you're doing, and I'm, I'm so humbled to get to be a part of it. Thanks so well, much. Thank you for having us very, very much. And Thank uh, you, Matt. You were just as much an inspiration uh, to us as, as – um, you claim we are to you. So I, <laughs> I love that. I love that. I love that he says uh, you claim. That's fantastic. And we became fans of Matt's music with stick arounds at Harbor Coat through our listeners. Who That's right. Your music to our attention. Yeah. And and I actually I'm pretty sure it was Stephen Routledge. I think it was Stephen. Ra- I'm yeah, pretty sure it was yeah. Stephen Routledge. Yeah. So Stephen Routledge, from- who who uh, literally gave me the best pull quote uh, I've ever had. Uh, when he said that it was as though he referred to the last Harbor Cut record as if Teenage Fan Club had written a new record for sad people and resettled in the American Midwest. Wow. And, uh, <laughs> and I was like, great. oh, fuck, that dude gets me. <laughs> but just think about that for a second, Matt. Like, here you are creating this music in Michigan. Here we are on the East Coast in the D.C. area. And for that music to reach us, and we're huge fans of it, like it's right in our wheelhouse, right? But for that music to reach us, it goes through Scotland first, right? Crazy. <laughs> it comes this way, it's, right? it's incredible. Again, it's that whole idea of like, uh, you can't, you can't dream up how to get there. You just kind of right, gotta. Right. You, the the biggest. I think if there's a single like lesson here for listeners that that they can that they can glean from you is all of the wonderful shit that happens when you just get up and do work every day that matters. Yeah, that's right, man. Yeah. Thanks for that thanks right. so much for doing that work, guys. I really appreciate it. Thank you, man. Thank you, man. Hey, man. Please include this if you can on your podcast. I realized after we talked, it sounded like uh, Patrick and I did all, all, all the work over these many episodes, and you know it takes a village, right? We did get uh, a good amount of help from our interns, so these are people who just volunteered to help us out in many ways uh so first off the original intern intern sam that's sam lisker he has been great in keeping our website updated handling some social media stuff uh from time to time he's uh, shot video for us just a tremendous human being also shout out to matt windler he handles a lot of our uh, correspondence through email social media and uh uh, other means, uh, our, our voicemail line, all of that. And uh, he keeps that all sorted and organized for us and does an amazing job. And then over the course of the last few years, we've had some interns who volunteered to help out with editing. They didn't necessarily edit all the episodes, but they edited a lot of episodes for us. As you can imagine, five days a week, there's a lot of work to be done. And uh, they volunteered to do it just to get some experience led to some some other good gigs for them so we're proud to say but anyway shout out to uh, john rossman samantha reed mary edelberg and jason pay i really feel bad that we did not mention them when we talked so hopefully you can squeeze this in somewhere thanks very much Thank you again so much to Jim Lenahan and Patrick Foster from Rockin' the Suburbs. What a treat to have them here. What a great pair of dudes. Um, if you enjoyed this, if you enjoy this kind of music and these kind of conversations and this sort of dad rock nonsense, please go check out their stuff. You can find them all over the socials. You can find them on uh, every place you get pods. It's, uh, it's just Rockin' the Suburbs. You can go to Rockin' the Suburbs Radio and check out their uh, their online 
24-hour radio platform that you can stream from anywhere on planet Earth, including the upper reaches of Scotland, where uh, those guys have made some wonderful, wonderful relationships. That's what this is all about, gang. It's all about doing stuff and meeting people and making the wheel go around again one more day. And this is the stuff that makes me get out of bed and makes me excited. It makes me want to go to work and do something important. Thank you so much for supporting this work. Again, I cannot do it without your help. Please consider a paid subscription over at our Substack page. That is how this thing gets made. It's whatamimaking.substack.com. You can also go over there and listen to all the pods. You can see all the articles, read all the essays, get info on all the crazy shit that I'm up to. Make sure you're keeping an eye on the house show tour if you're in the eastern half of the United States. I got lots of cool stuff coming and I can't wait to talk to you about it. Thank you so much for your support. Thank you so much for being here. And I'll see you very, very soon. Cheers, you. That there was a production of Medicine and his ADHD.